just a few. Oh, great. Yeah, I can see. I can see I'm recording here. Yeah? Yes, 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 yes. Okay, all right, guys. Welcome to yet another episode of the first X Minute podcast. Well, as usual, I'm your host, Papi the Great. Oh, yeah, my name is Richie Medaramala. Of, of course, you find me on Twitter as Papi underscore the Great, as a P-A-P-I underscore the Great. And I would like to really appreciate those who have been listening into the podcast. Thank you so much for the love, for the support, um, football aficionados, not just in Nigeria, but across the world at large. And uh, it's been a long time I ran a podcast episode solo. That's because I've been making a whole lot of friends lately. And on this podcast episode, I have a friend also. I'll be introducing him in a bit, but um, I really hope that you've been staying safe and um, you have been washing your hands whether you've been going out or not, and you have been staying, spending most of your time at home. This is the first X Minutes podcast, and I have my guest with me, and we have a whole lot of um, stuff lined up for you. But first, he has to introduce himself. So this is what you do, dear guest. You introduce yourself, your name, the football club you support, and the football club you hate the most. Okay. My name is Ayedele Sego. Ayedele Sego on Twitter. I'm just the usual regular guy. I just love football. <laughs> I'm not an analyst. Oh. So, so, so okay. if, if my if my if my opinions rile you up or rile anyone up, you're free to <laughs> debate to debate me, and we find the common ground and we learn from each other. Yeah. My name is Ayedele Sego, and I support us now. Mm. Fortunately, I know. Fortunately, wow. I support that team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the team, and, and the team okay. I, I, I really don't like is well, it's 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 United, but it's not that I hold any hate as per se, or like it is too strong a word. Yeah, You're just not really a big fan of United. Yeah. Hmm. But okay. it doesn't mean I'll, I'll say things that are disingenuous. I'll always give about, people their props. And mm. I'm sure from our conversation, you realize one thing. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so, good to have you. Um, you're on the show, on this episode of the podcast, Ayodele Sego. I'm on Twitter at Ayodele Sego, just in case you're wondering what, how Sego is spelt. It is Ayo, that's A-Y-O-D-E-L-E, Sego, S-A-G-O-E, S-A-G-O-E. So while I'm going to be talking about touching on the unfortunate and fortunate aspect of being a national fan, um, I just have to get straight to it, to the meat of the episode. And um, a whole lot has been said about the absence of live football games or sporting events on TV and all of that. We seem to be in the dark. We don't know what is going to happen. Some some brands are saying action will resume May. Others are saying June. But regardless of that, the media outlets have found a way to keep fans engaged, churning out content, digging deep into their archives to bring out stuff for us to enjoy, football moments to relieve, football moments to learn from, documentaries, autobiographies here, there and everywhere. So, um, we seem to be in the moment where we are reliving a whole lot of football action, some from the 90s, some from the 80s, and then even some from the 2000s. Now, in hindsight, we are beginning to compare football we enjoyed in the last two years 
to football we enjoyed in the 2010s that's 11 um, in the 2000s maybe say um, 2001 2002 and then football we even watched in the 90s now i'd like to put you on the spot here um Ayodele. which of these eras would you think was the uh, featured the hardest um was the hardest time for football to be played or let me rephrase Comparing football in the 90s to football in the 2000s, football in the 2010s, do you think football has followed a trend where it has now become easier to play football and has now become easier for attackers to score goals? Defending is not really as tough as it used to be back in the days. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're right. You're right. I don't know if uh, the figures, the figures actually reflect that the goals. The goals per game and the goals conceded have been going up a bit. But defending mm. is the key point here because, well, due to several factors, uh, defending has been on the decline, to be honest. Mm. People, there are too many, there are too many top teams that have questionable personnel in defense. Questionable people playing mm. in defense and, well, you can't i mean like in the 90s it was rougher tougher and there was more funny business tolerated nowadays yeah you you get penalized for quite a lot and now mm. with um with um you can't get away with a lot of funny business anymore the game is mm. faster the balls are the, the i mean technology has aided he did the game and the rules have been biased towards okay let's make it more exciting and let's get more goals in but the defending is where i have a big problem because you keep seeing like okay like my dear team i don't think we've put up um a consistent convincing performance in defense since 2007 and i'm not exaggerating it's been nonsense since and you see some top teams in europe and you're like oh my god yeah i mean when when i started watching football at least you know yes they'll give you a hard time and to score it's going to be but now errors <laughs> just poor judgment and well the concentration bit is maybe okay fine the game is faster so which but mm. yeah, defending back then was far better than what you see now. Mm. Defending back then far better than definitely now because we can't compare the likes of Paolo Maldini to Virgil van Dijk, or we can't compare. We can't even compare even maybe say the names of um, Paolo Baresi. Um, and um, we compare them to maybe yeah Vieras and the Ray Palos and the Tony Adams. They are their fair share when it comes to tough defending. But of course, the 90s was just on another level defending wise. The the I think referee was a bit um, harder compared to now, where even the slightest push can end you a yellow card, and even maybe the tackle that was considered a yellow card tackle in the 90s would now regularly be. A tackle that will end you a red card as a football player these days. So I think the change is obvious. Definitely, football has become easier these days. Still, the first X Minutes podcast. And moving on from that, um, I want to touch on 
um, the managers, of course, if football has transcended from the 90s to um, the 2000s, the 2010s, apart from the players, the managers involved have also played a huge part from Marigo Saki to Fabio Capello to um, all those managers who won the Champions League in the 2000s and then the World Cup winners also, the Euro Cup winners also. So I'd like to put you in the spot like now, coming down to the 2000s, that's yeah. 2001, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, we had a whole lot of managers, a, a number of them that just blew up our minds from Jose Mourinho, Pep Guardiola, um, Alex Ferguson, the Invisibles, um, Fergie, um, sorry, that's Asen Wenger with the Invisibles, Alex Ferguson with the Manchester United side and all of that. Which of these managers, in your opinion, if you're going to rank, which of these managers would make it to your top three managers for the 2000s season? I mean, that's the decade between 2000 and 2010. Oh, 2000 to 2010. Okay. I, yes. Okay. Let me let me let, let me put it like this. Definitely. Let me start with number three. Number three would go to a certain Pep Guardiola. Mm. Yeah, because he's uh, his. I mean, the first. I think in that in that era, I think it was. The first two, if if you are taking that time frame, it would be the first two seasons at Barca, at Barca, his first two mm-hmm. seasons, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that mm-hmm. would be the first. Yeah, no, he's he's uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, his first full season. People people forget though how he started. He he was he was the B team coach, and they were in the fourth yes. division. He actually won the fourth division. That's his first trophy. But people don't count that really. But he has his first trophy really. Then his first full season as the Barker coach. I was, I was, I, I was. Um, you know, I didn't like the decision because obviously, I mean, a team in such a state they were in, bringing someone that was relatively inexperienced at that time. Uh, I questioned the decision, but you know <laughs> that's why I'm not the club club president. <laughs> I mean, it was it was a decision that paid off big time. He won everything, every everything. After the first game against, I think the first um, La Liga match was against Numancia, and he lost one zero. I was like, okay, fine. <laughs> what what there I think go. will happen will happen, but. Mm-hmm. He won everything. Everything. Playing a style of football that was, you know, mind-blowing, man. You could see you could see the touch. And he made some ah, very unpopular decisions. That's why I thought he was going to fail. I'm happy I was wrong. Yeah, I also so, yeah the, the 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 I mean he sent the troublesomes away and that was a brilliant move. I thought it was stupid, but in hindsight, yes, it was a brilliant move. Sending Deco, Ronaldinho, Edmilson and Co away really helped him. Really helped him. Because I mean big decisions. Yeah, big decisions. Yeah, you have to I mean he had to stamp his authority in the team and he sent away 
all the potential troublemakers and I think that's that's a good move and I think it's something more managers should be doing these days mm. yeah so and he won everything man I mean he he, he did he did a he did a tripeat of the La Liga he did I mean he won the Champions League and and in the fashion he did it the, that team in his first season was so dominant that people still talk about them till today and people keep talking about them so that's my number of course that's my number three number two Jose Mourinho I know <laughs> Jose Mourinho is, is it, 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 I, he, he doesn't play, always play the football I like but I respect the fact that yes he's a very pragmatic person and results matter this modern football no one has the patience mm. For you to, you know, build a system. I know you must show what your workings and you must get your results. And I like, I like, I like how he goes about it. He's ruthless about it, and there are no buts about it. I'm mm. not here to entertain you. I'm here to win. Mm. And although, although maybe yeah, his personality could stink, but yeah, that's that's the person he, he does is, what and he's he winner. needs to do to win. To do to win, exactly. Mm. And yeah, the records show he's a serial winner wherever he goes. Does well, even even uh, even uh, United. Really, he's the most he's the most successful person since Sir Alex, to be honest. Mm. But you know, yeah, all everything fell apart for him. And well, but uh, he's a serial winner. And in the two thousands, from that from two thousand and from year 2000 to 2010 yes it was in Mourinho and he was I mean 2004 really brought him out not really 2004 it all started really at 2003 UEFA Cup yeah yes yes he won that came to Champions League won that too so I know that's a great beat and his titles with Chelsea has been a winner ever since then yeah since since then has been a winner I mean as of now 25 titles I mean he's he's I know he's he's number two and he's great number one yeah there can only be uh, one number one and that's uh, Alex He's he's, <laughs> he's he's number one. He's number one. Uh, I mean, in that in that era, he really proved he was number one. He proved he was uh, no. He's a serial winner. I mean, forty in his in his career, he has forty nine trophies, forty nine honors to his name. And he was a serial winner. He was. The owner of the Premiership. <laughs> yeah, Manchester United owned the Premiership then. Yeah, he was the owner of the Premiership, and I mean, he did very apart from the few blips. Okay, uh, when Gano came back, he, yeah, he didn't win it for two years. He came back, did the three-peat on all of us. He's, I uh, know, <laughs> and he he replicated himself, reformed himself so many times and kept winning, which is a great feat. I think I think every manager should look at his career and the way he did mm. he did things to know, yeah, 
to know how to coach <laughs> and how to manage situations. He's he's the greatest manager, and in that time, yeah, he really proved he was the greatest. The greatest that ever lived. The greatest the, that yes. ever um, sat on the touchline and directed players. Yes, yes, and and and, and this Mark coming from Beckham story and all of that managed. Um, teams, yeah, manage teams that, that on a typical day only Salah Ferguson could manage a team like that to the Premier League title. You could imagine managing the likes of Anderson um, using gigs at uh, was it left back or right back? There was this game where all of his defenders were injured, and then he had to manage the likes of gigs. Schools had to play in defense and all of that, and then he still managed to win Champions League trophies and Premier League titles with that team. So, um, if you're wondering, still the first X-Minutes podcast, I'm your host, Papi the Great. My guest, Ayodele Sego, on Twitter, it's Ayodele Sego. No underscore, no hyphen, no space in between. So, um, we're done with retro, and um, we've visited history a bit. Now, let's talk about the present. For both on the break now, I think we're going to have... Um, something is going to definitely be fixed. Um, the, the, the world will not come out the same after this whole COVID-19 drama and everything. Now, one keyword has to be technology. One keyword in everything that is going to be transformed is technology is going to play a key role in the new world order in sport, especially in football. But we've also been having issues with technology, so to speak. And this brings me to my next question. Do you think technology has done more good for football than bad? Now, I want to give you a few instances. Of course, we have the VAR, we have the goal line technology, which people are usually talking about. However, um, people conversing on social, or people having conversations about football on social media, one way or the other, always has some sort of ripple effect on how the game plays out, probably for the admin. Um, in the case of um, fans calling out um, team owners and team managers and then of course conversations influencing maybe transfers or maybe one thing or the other they may not be that powerful but we can't hide from the fact that at some point in time they influence the conversation every now and then there's there's also the ability more uh, more now than never um the ability for fans to stream football games rather than opting for maybe going to see it live or watching it on the um, traditional broadcast and um, TV channels and all of that. So those are ways technology has influenced football. Now, can we say um, technology has done more bad than good for football? Can we say, oh, well, technology is right in the corner of football, cheering, supporting, and doing more good than bad for football? My answer is simple. It's done a lot of good for football. Mm. It's done a lot of good for football. It's, it's, it's made football more engaging. It has reached, it has allowed it. I mean, technology is what is what, what gave you your live games at home. As one of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, I mean, technology is, I, it has been an enabler for football. Right from, right, right, right from time, I mean, it, it, mm. it, made, it made the kits meat <laughs> it's it's used in everything and right now it's i i, I think it's it's 
it's good. I mean, football has been, uh, compared to other games, has been behind, to be honest, in, in terms of using technology to get the best decisions, to assist referees to get the best decisions. It's a fast game. It's not easy. Mm. You can't pick up everything. And quite a lot of people have been doing some, you know, there have been a lot of cheats and some people have done a lot of despicable things. So, in in terms of um, reducing cheats, stopping cheating, I mean, I, imagine if we if 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 they were not doing doping tests. Even with the doping tests, mm-hmm. some sports are still in disarray. But um, happy football has kept itself clean. Imagine without that, what, what and all the money that is involved. Imagine what what will happen. Now, referee decisions, VAR and all. The only, the only FA really right now that is messing things up is the English FA, and they are just not implementing it the way everyone mm-hmm. else is. It's it's funny to me, but that's how they've chosen to do it. But how they've chosen to do it is bad, and uh, and, and I think it's the only FA that has managed to expose that. Okay, even with the VAR element. There's still a huge human factor in the VAR decisions, which I mean, it's quite disappointing. But they're the only ones messing it up. But everywhere else, they were, they are getting it right, and that would reduce a lot of nonsense and that would reduce a lot of cheats. There's now so much money involved in the game that we can't. I mean, imagine imagine betting and you and your money tax just because of an incompetent referee it's unfair but now it has made the game fairer it has made the game more honest it has made the game more honest and it has helped it all it's also helping in optimizing the performance of players it's helping coaches review re- review their plans it's helping it's just helping improving all aspects of the game and it's good to have data too i mean for the fans it's it's good it's good to check and for fans and analysis it's good to check on what you see and what you suspect sometimes sometimes what i mean you can't read the game totally so it's good to always check I, to me, technology has aided football in very great ways, and I and I hope it continues to aid football. Although I pity keepers, though it uh, it doesn't help their cause. For those who are listening, I hope I then has been able to convince you and not confuse you that technology has done more good than bad for football. But then again, I'm sure not all of us see on the same friends when it comes to opinion, especially in the world of football. And this is why I think that somebody out there who's listening to this podcast is thinking, hey, technology has not done good for football. There's done more bad than good. That is why we're open to counter opinions. That's why we're mentioning our Twitter handles. Apart from the little advertisement here and everywhere, it's also for you to get in touch with us and say, hey, hey, I listened to your podcast and I think I have a counter opinion. We're always open to hearing from you, the audience, my audience who listen in on this podcast. So feel free to get in touch with me at papi underscore the great as a P-A-P-I underscore the great. Uh, my guest is Ayodele Sego. That's A-Y-O-D-E-L-E-S-A-G-O. Before I let him go, um, 
he's an Arsenal fan. And um, well, Arsenal fans, unfortunately or fortunately enough, um, they seem to be riding the not so good wave at the moment of being an Arsenal fan. However, they've enjoyed a whole lot of memories time in times past. And I just want to do let let's do retro once more. What's that football moment as should I say an Arsenal fan or maybe even as a football fan that is stuck etched in your memory for life and you say to yourself every time you remember there is no way I'm forgetting this football memory of mine. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, the reason I was an Arsenal I'm an Arsenal fan is Dennis Burkham. And that goal against <laughs> Newcastle is Newcastle. It's, it's magic. <laughs> I'll tell you another <laughs> goal that, that I saw that similar to that and I was like, wow, okay, <laughs> this one is good too. Edmundo against Manchester United. Yeah, you, it's a similar goal. Mm. Yeah, those are two moments and mm. I don't know if I, if I should call this a moment, but another person that, yes, uh, uh, no, I must always. Uh, it, it, it's it's always a joy watching, even his videos. Ronaldinho, ah, that's a magician. The one who uh, made. <laughs> he's the only person I've seen. My dad is not much of a football fan, but he he used to sit down and watch. But Ronaldinho also made him come and sit and watch. <laughs> He's calling that smiley boy. <laughs> That's smiley one, boy. The one yeah. who played football with a smile, always playing football with a smile. But that was already sharing his view, basically on the men, the moment that um, sometimes when he thinks about his love for football, he can tie it back to those people, can tie it back to those moments and say, oh yeah, this is one of the people who made me fall in love with this team. This is one of those people who made me fall probably in love or fall deeper in love with the beautiful round leather game of football. Thank you so much for your time, Ayodele. Um, Thank you for making our time to feature on this episode of the podcast. Um, this is where we call it Raps. Um, for those of you who have been listening thus far, please, please, please take a few seconds, 15, 16, 17, um, leave a comment, leave a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this podcast on. Just say, hey, leave a five-star review, leave a comment. If it was exciting, if there's something you feel we need to work on, just leave a review. We'll definitely be working on it. Whatever you're going to be doing in days ahead, I hope it's profitable. I hope you stay safe. I hope you wash your hands and I hope you spend as much time um, at home, not only staying safe, but also developing yourself. Until I come your way in the next episode of the podcast, bye for now.